Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, February the 7th, 2024. It is currently 3.46 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, in just a few hours, I'll get ready. I'll head to Victory Baptist Church. Hopefully, what we do there tonight, we'll be live streaming starting sometime after 7 p.m. Central Time. We'll be dealing with Bible geography. Hopefully, you will participate and listen to that. Um, I've got a Moody uh, Bible Atlas over there. I've got, uh, what is this one? Hang on, right down here. Underneath all of these other Bibles and notebooks have the Hallman Illustrated Guide to Biblical Geography. So we're going to be dealing with biblical geography tonight. Hopefully, uh, as we continue that kind of a mini-series that we're doing on biblical geography, hopefully it will prove to be beneficial and helpful to everyone. And, uh, well, that's what we will be doing. But before then, before we do that tonight, starting somewhere around 7, before I get in the car to drive there... I feel that I need to definitely finish another kind of mini-series that we started. We started talking about words of wisdom, words of wisdom for 2024. And the reason we did that, now once again, I've got to reach over here and try to find it. It's, it's down here in this stack right next to me on the floor. Literally, it would drive some of you mad. There's just books, notebooks, journals scattered everywhere, like literally no organizational. I know some of you are like, shh, stop talking. I know. Look, in some ways it bothers me, but I never, I never seek to fix that problem, but I should. All right, I'm going to reach down right here. The other day I went to the mailbox And on the way to the mailbox, I had to hit the mute button so that I could sneeze. All right. Okay. But here we go. Here we go. I went to the mailbox and I got the uh, January the 19th, 2024, because I had not gone to the mailbox in a few days, the Sword of the Lord newspaper. And in the Sword of the Lord newspaper was seven words of wisdom, biblical values for 2024. And I read kind of the introduction to it, and then I set it aside, and we started looking at these seven words of wisdom. And we've made it through a number of them. I hope it's been somewhat challenging and beneficial and somewhat helpful. So what I want to do today is finish this. I don't know if I'm going to get all the way through this, but I, I would like to, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, if I, if I finish it, great. If I don't, then we'll do another episode, hopefully tomorrow and wrap this mini-series up. I I haven't received, I don't think, any feedback from it, so I don't know if it's been any beneficial or helpful, but I think it's important because I cannot speak for you. I can only speak for me. And as far as this person is concerned who's sitting in front of this microphone, I need wisdom because I clearly lack it, okay? I have lacked wisdom in any meaningful way my whole life. And oh, come on, come on. You can sit there and maybe you you claim that you're the wisest person in the world. But I, I bet you yourself 
need wisdom. And what is so strange about the subject of wisdom from a biblical perspective, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, the person we typically say is the wisest person in the Bible, right? I mean, other than obviously Jesus Christ, who's God incarnate. But as far as a human being is concerned, we typically say the wisest person in the Bible is none other than King Solomon. The man who asked when he was when he was told he could ask for anything, he asked for wisdom, and he had this great wisdom. And if you were listening to the broadcast late last night, well, we know a little bit about what happens. This man of great wisdom, this man who in one section of Kings is praising God and, and speaking about that God is above all other gods. And then in just a few chapters later, we find this man with, well, the wisest man ever, the way we typically describe him, this man who asks for wisdom, this man who's praising God, this man who seems to understand that God is greater than all other gods. And just a few chapters later, we find out that this wise man who understands God is greater than all other gods, well, we see that while he has a thousand women, 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? He's a serial polygamist and a serial adulterer. Oh, and he's an idolater. So I don't know about you, that always challenges me. That always, I always find myself somewhat conflicted about, uh, conflicted about biblical wisdom. I'm like, we, we talk about you know, the wise man, the wise man, the wise man. Well, then we say Solomon is the wise man. But even with all of that biblical wisdom, even with all of that great wisdom, he still ended up an idolater, an adulterer, and a polygamist. And those are just probably the good characteristics, okay? I mean, it, that ends in a really, really, really bad way. His heart is turned from God. His heart is turned to idols. Even though he's the one who said God is greater than all other gods, he ends up, well, turning his heart towards those other gods, the lesser gods. I, does... Does that ever bother you? Does that ever, does that ever, does that ever make you go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so if wisdom is this thing that we all should have, if this wisdom is something that we all should pursue, well, the wisdom didn't do much for Solomon. Now I know some will say, well, you can have the wisdom, but you have to use the wisdom. But if you have it, aren't you using it? Because how do we understand wisdom? So let's do this just really quick before we review the words that we've looked at so far. And we spend a, let's just spend a few minutes here just considering wisdom as a general concept, as a general idea. Wisdom is a fundamental human trait that encompasses a deep understanding of life, relationships, and the world around us. Now, if wisdom is a trait that gives us the ability to have a deep understanding of life, relationships, and the world around us, well, something went way wrong in the life of Solomon. It goes beyond mere knowledge or intelligence. It is the ability to apply in a thoughtful and perceptive way uh, it, uh, it, it is the ability to apply in a thoughtful and perceptive way to make sound decisions and judgments. Wisdom is often associated with qualities such as experience, discernment, insight, and practicality. 
Wisdom involves the capacity to learn from one's experiences, both positive and negative, and to use that knowledge to navigate complex situations with clarity and perspective. It is about recognizing the nuances of different situations, understanding the consequences of actions, and making choices that reflect a deep understanding of what is truly important. Wisdom is not limited to intellectual knowledge, but also encompasses emotional intelligence, empathy, and a sense of morality and ethics. Wise individuals are often seen as having good judgment, humility, and a sense of balance in their approach to life's challenges. So I want you to hear that again. It, it encompasses a deep understanding of life. Uh, relationships in the world around us. It goes beyond mere knowledge. It's the ability to apply, to apply in a thoughtful and perspective way, in a sense, that knowledge. Some will say wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. Well, obviously you can have wisdom. You can have this great insight. You can have this great understanding, but that can all be circumvented. That can all just be for naught. That can all just literally fall apart. And from at least a reading your Bible, a very quick, a very quick turnaround. Now we know in Solomon's life, it was much longer than maybe just, you know, two or three chapters as we're reading in first Kings. There's a lot of years there, but he still goes from, you know, hey, praising God to this absolute Well, we, you think we would classify it as a great failure is how we would classify it. So, so wisdom is this ability to understand and to perceive and to use that knowledge correctly. It goes beyond, you know, it, it's, 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 it's the ability to understand and make wise decisions and see and see nuance and, 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 and balance and humility and all and to learn from, from things good and bad. So when you, when you read about wisdom, at least for me, I'm like, I need that. I need to grow in wisdom. I need to have better wisdom. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. You say, well, then how do we pursue it? How do we get it? Well, that, that's, that's important. And we haven't spoken much about that per se. We've talked about so far in this kind of mini series, well, we're, we're working on seven words of wisdom. And these words of wisdom are taken from basically Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13 is where we have spent most of the time uh, in this series so far. Now, I'll go, I'm going to pull up my notes here and give you the words of wisdom that we've covered so far. Are you ready? Here we go. Seven words of wisdom. Number one, listening. If we're going to have wisdom for 2024, if we're going to have wisdom for the rest of February, we're going to have wisdom for March, April, May, June, July, August, just for the rest of this year, for each following month, for each following day, for each coming week. Do we listen? Do we really, really listen? Do we listen to God's word? Do we listen to instruction? Do we listen to correction and rebuke? Are we, do we really, 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 really listen? And I think in many cases we don't listen, right? We do a lot of talking. We do a lot of sharing. We do a lot of, you know, giving our, but do we take the time to actually listen? So the first word was wisdom. Second was control. Now there's many things we cannot control. There's countless things we cannot 
But do we attempt to control what we can? Do we attempt to try to control the words that come out of our mouth? Do we, do we exercise control in any of those areas? And we talked about that. Then work. Do we have a correct understanding of work? Do we, do we understand the significance of working towards, well, the things of God, the kingdom of God? Do we, do we really put forth the work and effort to do that? And then hate. We talked about hate. I'm going to just do a little bit of review on hate. Proverbs chapter 13, uh, 5 through 6. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. That's Proverbs 13, verse 5. Do we hate lying? Do we hate false information? Do we hate misinformation, disinformation? Do we really hate it? Now, if we're going to be wise, there's some things we are supposedly to hate, and we're so, we should hate any lying, slander, gossip, half-truth, misrepresentation, doing, doing things in a way that, that, that actually leads people further from the truth. Now, I've been yelling and screaming about this forever. I, I think in some cases that the church, it's so weird. Sometimes the church on one end says, you know, it's about truth and we believe in absolute truth and truth is not relative. And we believe in truth, 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 truth. And then you'll hear Christians all over the place putting forth these ideas and these concepts that are conspiratorial, half-truths, misrepresentation, misinformation, utterly just falsehoods. And when you confront them, well, they won't listen to you. They get mad. They won't listen to correction and they won't listen to rebuke. You have to hate lying. Colossians 3.9. Colossians 3.9. And I'm just going to go through some of these quickly. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9. We read this words, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Do not lie. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time with this one, and I don't remember exactly if we covered this in great detail the last time. But if we didn't, I mean, this one is simple. This one is straightforward. We as Christians, there are things we're to hate, but specifically, look, if we're going to be wise, then you've got to hate everything that goes against the truth, everything that misrepresents it. It should bother you. We should in no way, shape, or form embrace half-truths and misrepresentations. We should not. And the only way to ensure that we do that is when we get information from one source, we verify, we correct, we check, we listen to counter uh, arguments, we listen to different perspectives. We should be the one realizing that things are not always so simple, things are not always so black and white, that there's nuance, there's, there's different perspectives, and we should listen carefully. Let me give you a great example, right? Let me give you a great example. We all know that there's been much controversy and many words spoken and written about Alistair Begg and the advice he gave to a grandmother about attending a same-sex wedding. All kinds of accusations have been made. All kinds of things have been said on, on, in Christian articles and in the comments under those Christian articles by professing Christians. And many of those things said about Alistair Begg are absolute misrepresentations absolutely accusing him of saying and doing things that go completely against what he has taught. 
literally just making and then spreading this the slander and this gossip there on the internet and when confronted and told that you're not speaking the truth they just double down they don't care If we want wisdom, we've got to stop with that. Look, we've got to be people who listen. We've got to be people who have some control. And one of the things we should control is what we're sharing and what we're saying. We have to be able to control that. In fact, we need to put forth work and making sure we're pursuing the truth. But we have to hate the misrepresentation and the lies. I, I look. I've seen. I, I have spent so much time struggling with this in my Christian life. When, when, when Christians are out there just spreading wrong lies, misinformation. When January the sixth happened, and 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 about the election being stolen, and all, all just one mis, just lie after lie after lie after lie. We've talked. I've talked to so many times about American Family Radio promoting things that Sidney Powell was saying, and other other members of of the Trump team. And guess what? No, many of those lawyers now have come out and pleaded guilty and apologized and said that they got things wrong. Where where's is Christian Radio going to issue an apology? Is Christian Radio going to say they got things wrong? Fox News said all kinds of things about the Dominion uh, software. And guess what? Guess what? They got sued and had to pay 700 and something million dollars because they misrepresented. They lied. They didn't say, no, 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 we've got the proof. No, you reported things that weren't true. And and, and I, I don't care what Fox News does. I don't care what the world does. It's believers. Believers should hate that. And, and the best thing, and, and, and look, whenever we buy into it and then we promote it and we share it, you know what we can do? We can go back and say, I got this wrong. Or maybe here's what we should do. We should learn to control ourselves and not hit the share button on social media. Maybe here's what we should do is learn not to say something until we know something. Because a lot of times what we know, we don't really know. Maybe don't rely on just one source of information. Jude 23. Now, we're still going to, we still need to do some work on Jude 23. And, uh, and others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, that, uh, that uh, hating even that garment spotted by the flesh. And we, we still are going to do some work on that garment spotted by the flesh. I was going to do something on Sunday school about that, but, we, well, we've always got so many other things to work on. All right, so we should hate the garment spotted by the flesh. And then Proverbs 6.16, which I mentioned last time. I mentioned last time, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, because this gives us a lot of things here. Proverbs 6, 16. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look. A lying tongue. And one of the things that drives me crazy about Christians is so many times Christians yell and scream about the things we're to hate and we hate this and we hate that. But then the things that are actually listed in scripture that we are to hate, we don't hate. It's like we we elevate some sins that these are the ones we hate. These are the really bad ones. And then these other things like God hates a proud look. Pride. Do you hate pride? Lying. Do you hate lying? But then there's other things we don't really hate so much. See, we tend to hate the sin that we don't struggle with in some ways. And then we, we kind of minimize the sins that we struggle with. Sometimes our hatred is simply we're covering up for the sin that's really inside of us. But you get the idea. Do you hate the right things? 
So seven words of wisdom. Number one, listening. Number two, control. Number three, work. Number four, hate. Number five. Now here comes number five. I know I took a little while to get to number five, but that's okay. Because I struggled with what to do with number five, right? Do I mention this? Do I now remember? I did not write these seven. I did not come up with these seven words of wisdom. The 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 per and and the sword of the Lord. They came up with it, and they based them all off Proverbs chapter thirteen. Someone was going through Proverbs thirteen, and they saw these seven words, and like these are seven words of wisdom. They saw things about listening, things about control, things about work, things about hate, and then there was one more. And again, I I did not want to do this one because this one could seem like it's self serving, and they're like I'm begging or asking. That's not the way this supposedly this works. This is the idea that if we're going to be wise, not only do we need listening, do we need control, do we need work, and do we need to hate, but we need to be people who are generous. We need generosity. And they take it from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7, we read this these words. Proverbs 13, 7. There is that maketh himself rich yet hath nothing. So there is the person who makes himself rich, but they really don't have anything. They're left with nothing. There is that, there is, there is that maketh himself poor, yet he hath great riches. So the person who makes himself rich ends up with nothing. The person who makes himself poor ends up with great riches. Now that's easy to preach and that's easy to teach, right? If you're if you're teaching something about stewardship and you're teaching something about giving in the church, you can hey guys, you can go try to make yourself rich and you can have and you can have, but you're going to end up with nothing. What you need to do is make yourself poor by giving 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 giving. Then you'll be rich. Okay, well, that's <laughs> that that's very self-serving when a pastor preaches that or or it's preached from the pulpit or it preached on any any ministry and say, and that generosity should be giving to the to the Lord's work and you can do that by well the offering plate will be coming by in the next 5 minutes okay that's very self-serving but it's it's still a biblical principle making yourself rich you end up with nothing but it's making yourself poor by giving are you generous second corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Seemingly, it gives kind of the New Testament principle of giving. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver. Are you generous? Do you give? And you give joyfully. You don't give out of necessity. You don't give out of guilt. You don't give out of being manipulated or shame. You give because you want to. Are you a generous person? Just naturally, are you generous? Uh, Naturally. Just naturally, right? You, You... you're at work, you have $10 in your pocket, you hear that someone uh, is hungry, they don't have any money for lunch, you just overhear it, do you just give them the $10 without even being asked, and you go hungry? Are you generous enough to do that? I mean, honestly, or will you just be like, man, that's feel bad for them? 
Maybe I can go you know, find something or you try, but you're not going to give them the $10. When you see people in need, do you feel a, do you feel a desire to be generous to them or do you feel like, well, what's their problem? How did they end up in that situation? Are you, are you, are you generous? Now, the, these are, the, these are words of wisdom. How does generosity fit with wisdom? I don't know if I, I think, I think the connection is this. When you are generous, you are placing something above the material, right? Like, I'm just going to pick up some material things here. I've got a box of pencils, right? So here's the material things. These pencils represent, you know, all kinds of things. When I am generous with what I have and I give, I'm placing some concept, some principle above the material, now, that's easier said than done, right? It, it's, it's easy to say the spiritual is the most important because, you know, you, you know, sometimes you can ask people, what are the most important things in your life? And they'll always say God, family, country, you know, something along those lines. And everybody's like, amen, amen, amen. It's easy to say God is most important until, well, you take the material and you give up that material thing for God, for his kingdom, for that. See, that's, it's, it's much more difficult. Oh, and it's easy to say people are important, but in many cases, our material is more important. I think the why generosity is a word of wisdom is because it's giving. It's when you, you're giving you're sacrificing. I think that's really the real word, sacrifice. I often say this, that immediately after the fall, immediately after the fall, if you're like, okay, human, humanity is in a bad situation. Humanity is deceived. Humanity is sinful. Humanity is depraved. Like that's a bad situation. And the first thing that kind of shows up to incense offer some combat, com, com, combat some pushback, on that depravity, well, you see Cain and Abel bringing a sacrifice, a sacrifice, because a sacrifice forces you to give of yourself something you have. And that's a fighting against your sinful nature, because your sinful nature will always say, you, 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 keep for you, get for you. Get, get, you, 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 you. And when you sacrifice or when you give, you're, you're, well, you're, 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 well, when you give, you're sacrificing. You're sacrificing from what you want for yourself for something else. I think generosity is kind of a spiritual discipline against your depraved nature. Now, it's easy to preach. It's always easy to preach, right? Much, much more difficult to do. It's much more difficult to say, okay, I've got $10. Okay, I want, I want to do this. Ah, okay, I'll give a dollar. I'll give a dollar. Okay, I, I think I'll, have, I'll still have nine. I'll still have nine dollars. Still have nine. I don't know if I can give two. Then I only have eight, right? It's easier. It's, it's much, it's, we, we start trying to formulate because, well, Self is involved. When you just go against self, well, then I, th I think that's where generosity is connected to it. They, they add one more passage. They add one more passage, and you know which one they're going to add. You Come on, you know, you know, I know. We all know where this is going, right? It's, it's a minor prophet. Oh, wait, we're, we're in 21 days in the minor prophets. Which, which minor prophet does everyone quote when it comes to generosity and giving? Malachi chapter 3. 
verse 7, Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. Even from the day of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even this whole nation bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith saith the lord of hosts if i will not open your window of heaven and pour out to you a blessing that there shall be no room enough to receive it now we can get into a whole discussion i think primarily the tithing system was an old testament thing specifically for the nation of israel and remember the tithe wasn't so simple as just a 10 percent. there were all kinds of tithes and it was basically served almost as a temple tax and they had to give of this and give of this there was, it was far more than just a simple 10 percent. everyone just thinks of the 10 percent like that's it i think when you get into tithing in the old testament you'll see far more than 10%. I think the New Testament, the, 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 the situation is you don't give out of necessity. You don't give out of, because you have to. You give will willingly. You purpose in your heart. You give as there is a necessity. You give as you have been blessed. But the point is, they did not demonstrate wisdom because they forsook God's commands specifically for them, and they stopped giving. Why did they stop giving? Because they stopped putting their focus on God, and they put their focus on self. You can say, well, because they had turned to idols. Well, remember, they turned to self. Idolatry is simply the outworking of the internal problem, which is you have a God inside of you, and that God is self, and the God is self wants to sit on the throne, and it wants all these other things to serve and to, and to, and to, and to take care of it. Giving is to combat that. Generosity is to fight that. I think I see generosity more as a spiritual discipline than anything else. I know generosity has obviously it's necessary, right? Well, one, I think generosity demonstrates that we're putting the spiritual above the material. Generosity demonstrates in many cases we're putting people above ourselves. I think generosity is a spiritual discipline to fight that sinful nature. Just 30 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago, hour ago, I, I left the house, walked across the street to the mailbox. I put the key in the mailbox, opened it up. The only thing in the mailbox, the only thing in the mailbox when I took out was a check from one of the listeners. They sent a check for $200. $200. And they wrote... Uh, and the note inside was, use it any way you see fit. They gave up $200 to say, hey, you can do whatever you want with it. Whatever you want with it. Whatever you want. Now, that listener has sent checks many times, many times. And there's been times they've sent checks. I'm like, oh, man, this just happened. Or we need this. Or this just happened. Or, and, and I will email going, hey, I got your check. Would it be okay if, if we do this with it? And because and, and, I will ask. And all of there, I was like, how many times do I have to tell you? You can use it any way you want. That's really not. And this person has been doing this for years. I mean, this goes back. I don't even know how many years at this point they have been helping to support and but they're sacrificing. They're sacrificing. They are sacrificing. They're they're placing something above themselves. 
They, they, they obviously don't have to do that. They could use it for themselves. In, in many cases, they probably should and not send anything, if, if, of course, especially if they ever need it. Well, they probably always need it. So I always feel bad, but I, I see that, that it, it, I feel bad because in many cases it convicts me. They're more generous than I am. Generosity, it, it, it's, it's one of the reasons I don't like teaching on it or preaching on it. It's one of the reasons why in church I, I don't ever try to preach or teach anything in regards to, to generosity or giving. No, I had to when we, when we went through 1 Corinthians verse by verse. So in other words, when I say I don't teach on it, it's like I'm not going to, I don't do the, what many churches do and they have their yearly stewardship program and do some sermons on stewardship. No, 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 no. No. If I go, if I'm preaching through a, a text and the text deals with it, then I'm not going to ignore it. And I'm going to deal with the tough issue, tough issues. And I almost always start going, hey, we're going to be dealing with some uh, passages here that's going to relate to giving and generosity. Let me just say right from the start, I know it's very self-serving. Because if, if you are convicted in the church about generosity and you give more, that ultimately can benefit the church, but it can ultimately benefit me. So I always try to be very, very just transparent with that. Same with this. Now, in this particular case, I'm not asking you to consider generosity in relation to Theology Central, this podcast. I'm not asking you to even consider that. I'm asking you to consider the importance of generosity in your own spiritual life and the importance of generosity and having wisdom, having wisdom going into 2024. And I think one of the key elements of biblical wisdom is we understand the spiritual is supposed to be more important than the material. And the only way to really f discipline ourselves with that is to give of the material. One of the things we have to do is we, if we have biblical wisdom, is to realize we got this thing called self, and self will exalt itself, and it's selfish, and it's self-seeking, and it's self-serving. When we exercise generosity, we are fighting that monster. We're fighting that 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 struggle. So, do you exercise generosity? You don't have to exercise generosity by giving to a church or giving to uh, any Christian ministry. You can exercise that generosity in countless ways. In fact, what I would challenge you to do, here's what I would challenge you to do. I'm not going to say anything about giving money to any religious organization. Here's what I would challenge you to do. I want you to, right now, I want you to grab a piece of paper. Now, you, you, can, you can at least get this ready. And I want you to come up with four ways in which you can show generosity to those around you over the next seven days. Oh, we'll make it the next 14 days. We'll, we'll give you two weeks. What is some way you can show generosity to, I don't know, friend, family? I don't know, anyone. Coworkers, children, spouse, neighbor, what can you do? What is something you could do to demonstrate true generosity to someone around you? I want you to focus it on from that perspective. And then you, then you between you, that it's between you, God, your own conscience, what you, how you view generosity as far as giving to church or anything else. I, I, I'm going to leave that between you and God to figure that out. But you can demonstrate generosity in other ways. Now, I think there's spiritual benefits in generosity. I think, I think there is. All right. So the first word of wisdom is 
listening. Second, control. Third, work. Fourth, is hate, which we reviewed in this one. We repeated that now two, two, two lessons. And I, 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 some of you are going to be mad that I repeated it, but I just felt that the hate, I wanted to spend a little bit of time. And because there was a brief second in this broadcast that I thought for some reason we did not cover it, which, and then as soon as I started looking at the verses, I'm like, well, obviously I did. Next, generosity. Now we have two more to go. I don't know we can finish these. We will try. The next one is found in Proverbs 13, Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred make the heart sick. So what this article in the Sword of the Lord, what they offered up is the sixth word of wisdom for 2024 is hope. Hope. We need to be listening. We need control. We need work. We need to hate. We need generosity. And we need hope. And they, 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 they give us the, uh, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So the lack of hope or missing out hope can, it seems, hope deferred can make it the heart sick, can actually have a detrimental impact on us. I'm going to reach down and grab a different Bible. I want to see how a different translation handles this. Proverbs 13, 12. And again, all of this comes from, from uh, chapter 13. We're going to have to do a Bible pop quiz on Proverbs 13. I, I see that coming up in, in your near future. Hope delayed maketh the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So when we don't have hope, it makes us sick. It causes us problems. So if we're going to be wise in 2024, we have to find a way to have hope because without it, it, it can, I, I think that's, that's an interesting concept now that I'm thinking about it. Hope deferred can make it the heart sick. How does a lack of hope make you sick? How does it? How is it detrimental? The, the other verses they have here, we'll see if they they add any clarification here. They go to Romans twelve. Romans twelve. Sometimes when you're when you're teaching or you're reading something, all of a sudden a different way of looking at it jumps out in your mind. All right, Romans chapter twelve, verse twelve. Rejoicing and hope, patient and tribulation, continuing. Uh, instant in prayer, rejoicing in hope. We, that, we need that for wisdom. We need to rejoice in hope. And I think the point is, is it's connected to wisdom because we, if, when we have hope, we're demonstrating a wisdom to see beyond what we can see. To see something that goes beyond the, our, our circumstance, our situation. We, to have hope is you see beyond what you can well see. Is it Hebrews? I don't know if they have this down, but I think it's at Hebrews chapter 11, where we read this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is connected with faith, right? And we can have hope because we have faith and faith goes beyond what we can see. Faith, faith sees beyond those tangible things. When you look at life, 
you you just may see circumstances and it may be depressing and it may be discouraging and it may be horrible and it may be tragic. Faith sees beyond that and it gives us hope because we can see the eternal. We can see that there will come a day where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering and no more death and no more sin. And 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 well, that gives us a hope that that goes beyond what are, it's a hope built on something other than what we see, feel, experience and the circumstances around us. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hope. We have a hope that, that comes from God. We have a hope that is found in our salvation, right? Just think about how our salvation, by faith, by faith, I am declared to be perfectly righteous because of an imputed righteousness. I Look, if I look to my life, if I look at my thought thinking, my desires, my feelings, I see sin, I see failure, I see what deserves condemnation and hell. But guess what? I have hope because my hope by faith, sees that hope comes from faith because faith grasps onto the reality of an imputed righteousness. I cannot see the imputed righteousness. I cannot feel it. I don't even see evidence of the imputed righteousness because it doesn't, there isn't any evidence. All I can do is by faith look to Christ and go in him. I'm perfect and I'm holy and I'm a new creature positionally. Practically, I'm still the same old person and I sin and I fail. Well, how do I have hope? Not by looking to my life, not looking about how good I am or how hard I try. I I look to the imputed righteousness of Christ and then I have hope. That's where the hope comes from. And then Titus 2.13. Titus 2.13. I'm using a very small Bible right here. Titus 2.13. I always pick up this little Bible because it's just much easier to navigate around the microphone instead of a bigger Bible, but it's, it's, so, it's sometimes hard finding a book. Uh, Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How can I have hope for the coming of Christ? By faith. By faith tells me there is a God, that that the, his son, Jesus Christ, and he is going to come again. I By faith, that gives me hope. Life, it just looks like life is going to continue on and then, you know, life goes on and then you die. It, it, it can be depressing and discouraging. But hope, we hope is connected with biblical wisdom. If you want to be wise, we need a biblical hope. We need listening. We need control. We need work. We need to hate. We need generosity and we need hope. And then the last one is Proverbs chapter 13. Back to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 17 is what they offer here. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. They say the seventh word of wisdom that we need for 2024 is faithfulness. Faithfulness. They go to Proverbs 28, 20. Proverbs 28, 20. 
Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. We have to pursue being faithful. Now, when I say pursue it, we're never going to truly be faithful. Praise God. God is faithful, right? God is faithful, even when I am not faithful. But we should pursue faithfulness. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim, uh, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Is there, let's stop proclaiming and, and, and let's just, are we faithful? And then Matthew 25, 21. Matthew 20, I know what this one is. Matthew 25, 21. You probably know this one as well. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now, we all say when we get to heaven, we want to hear, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now, I'm going to throw out the typical teaching here. The typical teaching is, Hey, when you get to heaven, is God going to say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant? Well, if you think you can ever do enough in this life for God to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, you are delusional and you seem to think that you're better than you really are. The only way a God is going to ever say, well done, thy good and faithful servant is because of Jesus Christ, who is the good and faithful servant. And in him, I am faithful. So this, this deals more with my positional reality. By in Christ, I'm 1000% faithful. And God will say, well done, that good and faithful servant, because I'm in his son. I'm, in, I'm covered in his imputed righteousness. God's not going to look to me because I'm never truly going to be faithful. I can pursue faithfulness. I can pursue it. Now, let, let's see if we can just take a moment here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look up a definition I'm going to look up a definition here. What is faithfulness? What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is a quality or trait that involves being loyal and steadfast in its commitments, relationships, beliefs, or principles. It is the act of demonstrating unwavering commitment and dedication to someone or something, even in the face of challenges, temptations, or difficulties. Are you a faithful person? Now, first and foremost, we need to be faithful to God. We need to be faithful to his word. We need to be faithful to others. No, we're always going to be, we're always going to fall short. We got to make sure we understand this. We're never truly going to ever accomplish this in any meaningful way other than positionally. But we should pursue faithfulness. So in 2024, I know we're already, it's already February the 7th. Before we know it, we're going to be saying goodbye to 2024 and hello to 2025. If we're still around, because, you know, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, right? I'm not guaranteed. I don't even know if I'll make it home from church tonight, right? I mean, I could, I could die on the way to church. I could die at church. I could die on the way home. I could die before I even get in the car to leave for church. I could die when I get ready to leave the studio and I fall down the stairs and break my neck. Okay, we're never guaranteed another minute. But forever how, forever, how many minutes we have left, we all know we need wisdom. Do we listen? How good of a listener are you? 
Do you really listen to God's word? Do you really listen? Do you listen when you don't like it? Oh, man. (laughs) There's things in God's word. I'm like, why? Why is that there? Come on. There's got to be a way to, to interpret that differently, right? Do you listen to correction? Do you listen to preaching? Do you listen to teaching? Control. You can't control everything. But what can you control? Do you control the words you say? Do you let corrupt communications come out of your mouth? What, what can you control? Work. Are you committed to working and doing the things we need to do for the kingdom of God? What, do you, what kind of ethic, work ethic do you have? And we talked about some of the conflict and struggle with that. Hate. Now, sp- specifically, do you hate lying? Do you hate false information? Do you hate misinformation? Do you hate disinformation? Do you hate slander? Do you you hate half-truths, misrepresentations? Generosity. How generous are you? And so I gave you a challenge. Look for four ways. Because generosity always turns into giving, 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 giving to the church, to a ministry. I'm not going to do that. How can you be generous to the people around you? I want you to find four ways in the next uh, 14 days that you can show great generosity to the people around you. What can you do? Hope. We need hope. Because if we're going to be wise, we've got to have hope because hope sees beyond what we can, well, see, which is connected to faith, right? And then faithfulness. Those are your seven words of wisdom for 2024. They came from Sword of the Lord newspaper, the January 19th, 2024 issue of the Sword of the Lord newspaper. It's right there on the front cover, seven words of wisdom. You may agree, you may disagree, but those seven words to consider, meditate, think about. Something specific to look at, hopefully somewhere in that Uh, 50-something minutes, you found something useful and beneficial and helpful. As always, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Now, if everything goes as planned, at 7 p.m., 7.15 p.m., we will be broadcasting live and we will be covering biblical geography Hopefully, it will be beneficial. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Seven words of wisdom. Hopefully, look, it it, it was much easier for me to teach than to put into practice. All I can do is say, I'm going to try to remember these seven words of wisdom found in Proverbs chapter 13 over the coming months of this year. And hopefully, it will manifest somehow in some way in my life. But there will be much more lack of wisdom that will probably manifest itself. But you know what? We can continue to try to struggle because that's what we have to do. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.